Okay, and we're live. Alright. What's up, dude? Nothing much. Just, uh, trying to take it all in, you know? Nice, uh, nice little first day project thing that we, that we had going on today, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely eye-opening. Learning experience for both of us, but guess what? This is episode one. Welcome to Ninth Island MMA, man. Welcome to the first episode of Ninth Island MMA. I think, I think you have a lot to share with the MMA community for sure. You yeah. know, so I feel like, I feel like this is going to work out great. Yeah. So, um, I just got back from Vegas. Yeah. I mean, you know, but, um, I don't think we went too in depth with the whole thing because there was, it, it was kind of like a, it was time for me to kind of go back to that environment and, and get into the, to the zone where, you know, I mean, UFC and MMA and, and jujitsu and all that stuff has kind of been a, been a big part of my life. I think learning as well, you know, I mean, I haven't been in the gym as much as I'd, I'd like to be as far. I just don't have the time, man. You yeah. know, so, but going there and, and it, it ended up working out because, uh, international fight week was there and, um, it just turned out to be perfect timing, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, like you were saying before, you wanted to see, like, you've been wanting to see Jones fight live for the longest, right? Dude, I so love that guy, man. Finally, that you're able to get that opportunity, um, you shot one of our friends, Jordan. Shout out to Jordan. You shot one. Of, you shot him a message and was essentially, essentially like, oh, yeah, um, this fight's coming up. Would you be able to get tickets? And everything just came together so nicely where you were able to attend fight week you were able to watch the fight live and you were able to just embrace that whole experience which was which is pretty surreal right yeah it, it helps when you when you know folks yeah when you <laughs> it helps when you when you network every every now and then but yeah it was great um i didn't i didn't have to do the whole hotel experience which yeah. i mean I, i'm not complaining but you know yeah when we went you know, when you show up there, it's just like that Vegas environment. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just like you know, you get you get to uh, the airport, you know, and and then right when you when you land, there's slot machines everywhere, and it's it builds this excitement of just being in Vegas. I'm not a gambler. I don't know if you are, but uh, the whole purpose was was the fight week. And let yeah. me tell you, man, like going through. The whole thing where the open workouts are something that you're experiencing live and you're seeing Holly Holm and you're seeing Ben Askren and you're seeing Jorge Masvidal and you're seeing John Jones live. Yeah, top it's dogs. It's a surreal feeling, dude. And I got to say, man, it, it was it was quite an experience. Um, I made sure I took advantage of every part of it. And then you just kind of culminate. The whole thing just kind of comes together and, you, and then you... You you know Saturday night is fight day and you're at T-Mobile Arena and you sit down in your seat and yeah they put on a performance man that's super cool so I mean there's some there's some huge fights that I kind of wanted to dissect a little bit and um, you know history was made yeah that day and I know I know everyone's seen it everyone saw that that uh, that that Masvidal finish that <laughs> that UFC record uh, five second KO and I mean essentially. You know, everyone's kind of talked about it already, but but it was pretty much the fastest knockout in UFC history. Yeah. Not counting the referee pulling pulling him off Askren, but... Um, you were saying that that was a full strategy on Masvidal's um, 
from Mosfidal's standpoint, right? Yeah, that was a game plan. I mean, they were showing him at the UFC Performance Institute working on that knee. Yeah. And uh, talking about his reaction when he popped in on him and, and surprised yeah. him and stuff and how he didn't have... That, that all came together, man. That That's, that's, that's a, fight science, that's, dude. That's a full psychological... Like, he was getting in his opponent's head by doing that, right? You were saying, essentially, Masvidal walked in on Askren, right? He walked in on Askren um, training, and he, like, psyched him out by, like, juking him out or something like that, right? Yeah, he... Uh, uh, there was a couple uh, interviews of him, of Masvidal kind of breaking down how... He kind of surprised him. Yeah. You know, they'd be, they'd be somewhere, and then he'd say, oh, yeah, he just, you know, he, he didn't know how to react. Yeah. And then when he um, when he finally pulled the trigger on the fight, he did the exact same thing, and he got the classic conditioning response, right? Like, he essentially reacted the same way he acted when Masvidal came into his workout, right? Which he ducked his head, and he just capitalized on that with the knee, right? Yeah, and... um. It just it just worked out well. I mean, you know, I, I don't know anyone that hasn't talked about it yet. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we're a little bit behind on it. But I wanted to kind of, you know, touch up on it anyway because that's kind of what we're about here yeah. at, at Ninth Island. We're talking about, you know, the, the effects of potentially, you know, a devastating head trauma injury. Mm-hmm. Blunt force to the head, right side, right side of the temple. You know, you saw that happen. Yeah. And, you know, what's the next steps? What's the quickest way of recovery? What are some things that people that aren't professional athletes um, dealing with right now as far as concussions go, or as far as, you know, I mean, even if you fall down, you slip and you bang your head on, the, on you know, get into a car accident and stuff like that. Yeah. How do people recover in the quickest way and, and the safest way is the biggest thing. And, and um you know, on the road to recovery as far as his next fight, going into his next fight. You hear about fighters all the time, like, going too hard in the gym and getting knocked out. And, and, and you know, you're, you're, the human brain can only handle so much trauma before it starts, you know, reflecting off of that. Yeah. So when you saw it, the first time you saw it, and I know you had the reaction, that too bad we didn't get it live. Uh, when you saw it, what were your kind of thoughts on it, like, based on your, um, you know, what you know? So with any fighter that's getting knocked out or that um, gets rocked or in, uh, takes any sort of like, not it doesn't even have to be head trauma. It could even be like um, getting rocked in the chest or um, throughout the body, right? Essentially what's happening in a concussion is the brain is just smashing around in the skull, right? So first thing I think about is... Um, when you refer to maybe a weight cut, say someone makes a, say a fighter makes a really aggressive weight cut and they're under hydrated and they don't get um, hydrated to the level they need to be when they fight. So now you're talking about fighting from a level of being dehydrated and you're taking head trauma, essentially your brain within the brain, you have this fluid called cerebral spinal fluid, CSF. And if you're underhydrated, that's essentially like water. So there's less brain fluid where your brain can be essentially where, where the water absorbs the shock from the brain. So if there's not as much water in your brain, your brain has more potential to knock around in your skull more, which leads to more um, traumatic type of injuries that can occur within the head, such as uh, concussions or nerve damage, or you can just totally mess things up in there, right? 
Um, but like I was saying, it doesn't even have to happen with getting direct head contact, right? Um, it could happen from maybe getting rocked in the chest. So um, if you're ever if you ever been in a car accident and your neck's whipping all around, essentially that's what your brain is doing. Your brain's lagging by getting knocked around in the head, and you can still endure a concussion by not getting trauma to the uh, head directly, right? Like a, like a, like a chain reaction. Exactly. Saying? Exactly. It's like, they call it the kinetic chain, right? So working from the ground up, the ground reaction force into, um, where the force ends up is essentially where the force is dissipated is essentially what we're talking about. So when you're referring to fighters getting knocked out, um, you can think of concussions, you can think of head trauma. And when, um, one recovers in that process, you have to take it one step at a time. So the first thing that you're going to work on is making sure that they're not doing any contact. And I, I really don't know the integrity or um, the protocols that are used to rehabilitate a fighter from a concussion to back to fighting. There, there is a, a, a like a suspension period that, yeah. that a doctor will will uh, release or not release a fighter. I, I know that much. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure... If you looked it up online, I'm sure there's a there's a time frame for Askren to come back, and um, start training and, and, and working out again. Yeah. Um. But you know, as far as recovery goes, I mean, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Even though he's part of that, that that whole historic moment, you know, those five seconds. Nobody wants to be part of that. I mean, maybe maybe you do. I mean, at least your name gets mentioned. But yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to be wants to be known as the guy that got knocked out. But uh. Uh. Yeah. I'm sure it's just a. a He's just taking it easy. Right? Yeah, it could be taken easy. I really don't. I, I don't know the, what goes into planning a fighter going back to full combat sports. Um, I'm not sure if they're taking um, time off, if they're doing any sort of physical therapy, or maybe seeing um, specializing in their strength and conditioning a little bit more. Um, from well, that what standpoint, w- what would you recommend? Um, see, first, it's going to have to come down to the evaluation of the physician right so essentially what i'm finishing my degree in is athletic training so essentially i would have to follow doctor's orders because we're part of the healthcare professional team right so um, we fall under working with physical therapists or um, physicians or um, even orthopedics if orthopedic surgeons should they refer out refer um, therapeutic services to an athletic trainer um, so say that um, Askren gets checked out by his physician and the physician says that, oh, yeah, he has a pretty severe concussion. Um, we're going to start um, with rest for a few days and then slowly progress into cardiovascular activities. So maybe just like light running or biking or cycling or something like that to just kind of see where he goes. Because anyone who endures a concussion knows that the first step is the first step to returning back to play is a conditioning regimen, right? Non-contact, non-sport-related conditioning. So essentially what you're going to have to do is get their cardiovascular system back to, you know, back to their baseline because after they endured that type of injury, the whole immune system, the whole body is essentially flooding to repair the tissue that's been damaged, right? So it's not physical fitness it's not you know trying to look better at this point it's just repairing the damage that's been done so the first step would be conditioning and ensuring that the athlete or the um it doesn't even have to be an athlete it could be anyone who sustains the concussion can 
uh, gets to their baseline level of conditioning. So um, whether it be walking on a treadmill, because so, some people who take a pretty heavy knockout, um, just walking on the treadmill, they'll feel fatigued after 30 seconds to a minute, right? So it's just getting them back to, okay, like, are we able to walk on a treadmill? Okay, we're able to walk. Now let's progress into like a light jog for five minutes and just doing intervals there and just varying the training so that they can get back to where they were at before they got knocked out, right? Once you get them to that, then it's just continual progression to where they're able to participate in sports-specific, in um, speed, agility, all that stuff. So you're, you, you're pretty much building them from the ground up after the injury, right? So right. they're injured, getting them back to baseline. Once you get them back to baseline, then you want to get them back to sport, you know, back to their specialty, what they were before, right? And it's hard to get back to that exact level, you know? It's just like if you, um, if you cut yourself or if you injure a muscle, it's never going to get back to 100%, but you can train smart enough and strengthen a muscle group or strengthen whatever has been damaged to almost 100%. And sometimes it might even be better than 100%, you know, just because you're specializing the training so much more, you know, like you have that big muscle that you relied on, like I have my quad and then I tear my quad and now my quad's injured. Okay, now I have to work on all the musculature around the quad and strengthen that and you could come back better because of that, you know, because of training like that. So No, I mean that's 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 a good point. I don't think I've heard um, that perspective before when it comes and I and I hope like I said, I hope he recovers as quick as possible. I mean he's a high level athlete. Yeah. There was a lot of back and forth going on. I mean of course they gotta sell the fight. I don't know how personal it actually is. I mean yeah. you know, there's a lot of entertainment aspects of the sport now, which is fine. I mean that's for more uh you know, exposure and stuff. Yeah, that's the evolution of the sport for sure. But one one thing too is, and I know we've talked about it before, and you know, we we kind of gotta represent with uh, Max Holloway coming up at the end of the month. Actually, he's fighting on Friday, on Saturday. Yeah, it's this weekend. We gotta watch that huge we gotta see fight that. for Holloway. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, coming off of a one fifty five, I mean, loss to for, but. Not just any one fifty five fight. His first time going up to one fifty five and then fighting Dustin Poirier for the, and I met that dude, man. Like I saw him and like we took a picture. Mm-hmm. That guy is like he's about my height. I'm about five eight and three quarters or so, like a little under five nine. He's he's a little taller than me, but yeah. He's probably walking around at like one eighty one ninety. Dude's just lean, muscle. lean, clean. Just yeah, the, the dopest dude. Yeah. This guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know. But one fifty five is his realm, right? Yeah, like, I mean that's, he, that's his fighting realm. You know, he beat him before at one forty five uh, when Holloway was just up and coming. So I mm-hmm. mean, his his only real losses were from him uh, and uh, and Conor McGregor. So I mean, that's that's quite a resume. Yeah. If you ask me, but you know, going through a, a fight like that for five rounds and then coming into uh, another title defense for one forty five and and still it it's still being twenty five. Uh, minutes for the championship rounds your preparation is different because you're at a lighter weight and obviously Holloway is the king of the 145 division but at the same time you got a guy like Frankie Edgar who has probably the best footwork in MMA I've ever seen oh yeah he's also beat BJ Penn he's been on that level for a long time and granted Brian Ortega knocked him out um and Holloway beat Brian Ortega pretty pretty devastatingly, I think. Yeah. Five rounds of just domination. It was unanimous. 
and I'm sure the Vegas odds are saying that that Holloway is a favorite. I don't think there's a question. I mean, Frankie's five six. Holloway's way taller. You know. Yeah, he's got the reach on him. But going through that length of title defense after title defense, the pressure, the the health issues that Holloway's had in the past that may or may not have been directly related to training or fighting. Remember that? He had that thing. I'm not too familiar with that. He had a, uh, like a, there was, he was in the middle of an interview. Maybe you could pull that up. Yeah. But he was in the middle of an interview and then he, his voice started slurring and then uh, um, Michael Bisping like kind of called him out on live air. Oh, no, I remember that. He had to take a break. He was going to fight Khabib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never happened. And then we never really got word of, you know, what that was or what happened. But he's fine now. Yeah. Strange. But, Concussion. So they're saying that it was a concussion. That's what the the initial rumor was. I don't know what it developed into. I didn't follow it too much because it kind of just dissipated. Yeah, I mean, he could have rehabbed. He could have got better. That's the thing about concussion is signs and symptoms can really, you know, you can present with them one day and the next day be perfectly fine. You could be happy as hell one day and the next day you're just pissed off. Not even the next day, the next minute, you know. So things, Mm -hmm. some signs and symptoms of concussion are going to be irritability, rapid changes in mood. Um, slurred speech, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, you know, all that stuff. And I'm sure if it, within that um, interview, Holloway was showing some signs and symptoms, but you couldn't definitively say that it was a concussion because, you know, we're not doctors, you right, know, right. and we can't diagnose that type of thing. But you could say, oh, man, it looks like maybe he's looking a little a slow. <laughs> he's looking a little slow. Yeah, maybe you should see a doctor, yeah, you, you know, and... um. Who knows? You know, I mean, the news is only going to say so much. They're going to try to hype out certain things and say that it was one thing and it's another thing. And it's just really just for media attention. But in all honesty, um, the only person who's going to know is going to be the physician and um, Holloway himself. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. I mean, to me, I think he's 100% recovered um, just from that whole incident, you know. Yeah. He did end up fighting Ortega. He won unanimously. Yeah. You know, he lost to Poirier, which which was a jump in weight class, not which not a lot of people could do, I think. You know, besides just a handful of of fighters. Um, and then, uh, moving into, you know, back into where you're comfortable with. I mean, I don't think that's gonna lower his level of being the favorite in this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think in combat of sports, you can never really get too comfortable because there's always going to be someone hungrier than you are, right? Holloway's been a champ for how long now, and he's been going on, he's been going off of a, uh, what what's what's his fight streak before this previous loss? Oh man, he's had a, I mean, he's still pretty much on a tear at one forty five. Yeah, up to one fifty five, that kind of like put it on the side. But this was the second Cali. time he's lost to Poirier, right? Yeah. Okay, so psychologically, you know, you would have to think, okay, yeah, I was fighting at this one weight class and I lost to this guy a long time ago. Now your most recent fight, you lost to that same guy, right? Granted, it might have been a different weight class, but psychologically, how does that break you down? It's like, oh, man, am I even the best right now? And he's probably just, you know, a lot of people just minimize the positives that they've, you know, accomplished. You know, Max Holloway, he jumped up 10 pounds. He jumped up to another weight class. He stood toe-to-toe with Poirier for five rounds in this past fight. But he did lose. So psychologically, that's gonna, that could tick at him. It could say, oh, man, like, you know, what what am I doing wrong? Do I have to re-evaluate, re-evaluate where I am as a fighter? Should I retire? This and that, you know? 
granted, I don't know if he's thinking this, but it's a possibility, right? Well, so one yeah. thing, one thing with Max Holloway versus all the other fighters in the UFC, I think, is um, that guy's got the best mental state that anybody could possibly be in, and he's the type of guy to hang around after after losing a fight like that, and and say, hey, look, I'm gonna go back to the drawing boards. I'm gonna work on things I need to work on. I'm still a champion, you know. Poirier did a great job. You know, he's also a champion now. Congratulations to him. And that's it, man. I mean, th- there's yeah. nothing negative that ever comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Which is which is awesome, man. And and I feel like that's got a lot to do with his upbringing here in Hawaii. And it's got a lot to do with um, his mindset, which, which, you know, he's been in the game for a long time. E- even though maybe he got thrown into the gauntlet early, some guys want to protect and keep their record, you know, tight. But he fought anybody. He yeah. fought everybody and anybody. Oh, yeah. And I love his mentality, you know? So, um, I can't wait for the fight. Can't okay. wait for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This weekend is definitely going to be redemption for him. I feel like he will have a strong comeback. As um, far as making his presence still known at, in 145, you mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, for, for a champ, it's like saying, you know, like if Conor, Conor McGregor lost one fight out of how many wins has he had, you know, and for him to come back that second time, I feel like the fans are going to be rooting for him even more. You know, like his presence is going to be even stronger because he's coming off a loss and he's going to re, you know, invigorate the fans and be like, yeah, you know, this is who I am. You know, so I, I don't think Holloway's going to have any trouble. I'm sure he's taking all the right steps to get where he needs to be. You know, no doubt about that. There's a there's a lot of um, new ways and innovative things that fighters and athletes are doing. Like, you see a lot of fighters uh, coming from, uh, you know, like a, like Olympic wrestling background, like, uh, yeah. like Henry Cejudo, yeah. Olympic gold medalist. Um, you have guys that are transitioning from the NFL and going into professional sports. And then you have guys that are professionals, whichever, whatever you're doing, and they're doing um, things that are unconventional that people wouldn't have thought of years ago. Like, uh, I know a lot of guys are doing yoga now. They're not just doing regular yoga. They're doing, like, hot yoga. Yeah. Which is cool, I think. And then they're doing, you know, they're incorporating dance, things like that. So... I mean, as a as a um, someone who's always like I, I've known you forever, but someone who's always trying to perfect their craft and changing up workout um, routines and stuff like that. Like, what what do you think that brings to the table a, as an athlete in general? I think that's um, just honing in on your craft. You know, you never want to specialize too much into one particular thing. And when it comes to combative sports, you know, you have to be really dynamic. You have to be able to change, to, to, to adapt to change. Um, I feel like practicing yoga, practicing dance, or anything like that, um, it, it, it has an added effect to the training, right? So if you're doing yoga, you're working on flexibility. Flexibility is especially important in ground game, jujitsu, even in stand-up game, right? You want to be able to get that added range of motion, right, to be able to impact, to have a greater force output, right? So if you're not able to maybe reach your hands directly overhead, they call that glenohumeral flexion, if you're not able to do that to its full capacity, then you're probably losing out on some of the power output that you're able to throw into a punch, right? If your hips are tight, you're not going to be able to get into a deeper squat or get into those, like, vital positions when you're um, rolling on the ground or grappling with your opponent, right? 
So I feel that yoga has that added effect as well as um, trunk rigidity, core quote-unquote core strength is what you're working on uh, in a lot of those like yoga Pilates positions, right? So having that general strength, it also works in your conditioning. And with dancing, you know, it has a lot to do with footwork, right? So footwork, you think about boxing, you think about stand-up, and you're thinking about speed, agility, balance, that whole trifecta of what you have to, I guess, specialize as a combative specialist, right? So um, I feel that all of it intertwines, you know, as silly as it sounds to maybe dance ballet, who knows, you know, maybe it's part of the strategy. Maybe someone has really bad ankle mobility and they find that ballet helps them increase their ankle dorsiflexion or range of motion or, or whatever, right? So I'm not knocking against um, a professional fighter dancing ballet. No, no, know? I think, you yeah. think that's the next big thing. Um, yeah, I mean... I think variance in training is always a great thing, right? You, like we were talking about just now, you never want to specialize. Like if you're just doing chest and tries all day, every day, right? Just to get that, to get your swole on, right? I mean, it's is it going to have, is it really beneficial or is it detrimental to what you're doing? You know, what's your end goal is, is my big question, right? What is your goal? If your goal is to bench a thousand pounds and sure, go ahead and have a training program that is specific to training your chest and to get your bench press up. But if you're a combative specialist, sports specialist, or if you're um, doing a, competing in Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting or any sort of um, sports, you have to first determine what your goal is and then go off of that. You can't just do something that doesn't make sense because then it turns you away from your goal. Yeah, I mean, I get the mobility part of it for sure. I mean, especially the yoga thing. I mean, I've, I've done a few uh, yoga routines. I mean, like maybe like three or four different poses in, in one session, and I feel it. Like, yeah. you you have more control of your breathing, which I think is a huge thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and then your flexibility, which is a gigantic thing as well. Um, that's definitely beneficial, I think. I mean, no matter what, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's great the way that, you know, people are thinking outside of the box more and more. And when you're thinking outside of the box more, you're kind of open to more creativity. And, and that also, that, that makes it so that people can kind of hone in on their craft. Because, you know, you got, um, like, like a good example would be like skateboarding, right? They're, it's not a, it's not a sport, man, it's a, it's a craft, it's an art, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm painting a picture when I flip on this rail and I kick flipping nose, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's got their own style, everyone's got their own jive, and I think people kind of, uh, can see that when you're, when you're displaying it, and it's, it's art, that's what it is, that's yeah. why you're called, mar you're a martial artist, that's what it is, and it's just, um, it's, it's crazy how, you know, when I first started watching UFC, it was, or MMA in general, it was so different from what it is now. Yeah, it's very barbaric and very, um... No, I don't want to say barbaric. I want to probably say, like, it was just, like, it wasn't, um... It was in its primitive form. It, it wasn't in its primitive form. It was in a way where, you know, we had this idea that karate or boxing or wrestling could all be brought into one proving ground and show your you know by showing your skills to the world you're you're competing against this guy where the rules don't necessarily apply in each form you know what i mean yeah and that was the misconception the misconception was it was primitive and and, and it's like human cockfighting and all that stuff but 
that's not what it is anymore, man. I mean, we've yeah. got ESPN deals and Fox deals going on, and, and people are actually seeing that these these fighters are actual professionals at what they do, and it's just, it's crazy to see it. I mean, it's crazy to see Jorge Masvidal, a game-bred fighter, you know, the, the guy that was on YouTube what, doing street fighting uh, videos, you know, I mean, coming from that to being a professional. Yeah. I don't see that guy working at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely you know? a, it's definitely an evolution of the sport. You know, like you were talking about um, when UFC just started, right? It was kind of these specialists, right? These people just doing one specific martial art. Whereas you look at it now, they're doing everything as much as they can to be unique in their own way, right? To to show how they aren't specialists but are specialists at the same time, right? They have their own practices that they do. And um, their opponent is going to be maybe polar opposite. So that's the thing about a fight, right? Is just I guess you still kind of display that um, dominance of martial art, but at mm-hmm. the same time you're combining all the different art forms. So I think when it comes to also um, training, like we were talking about earlier, as far as like yoga and dance, it does implore that creativity. Oh, for sure. You know, so um, that that's an added effect as well. For sure. Yeah. You know what? Um... Pull up that fight for this weekend. I want to see what that looks like. Oh, yeah. That, that uh, I think it's two forty or two forty one. Just just put uh, Holloway versus Edgar. Okay. Okay, the card. Ooh. Um, Mark Andre Barialt versus Curtis Jotko. <laughs> Not mm. even gonna try that. Curtis Tough. K R Z Y S Z T O F Jotko. Christoph Jotko? Yeah. yeah. Oliver Aubin Mercier versus Armand Tarukian. That's a middleweight fight, right? For that one? A lightweight. That's a lightweight fight? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a good one, man. Walter Weight card, you have Joff Neal versus Nico Price. The women featherweight fight. Co main event, Chris Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer. You're kidding me. Yeah. That's going to be unreal, man. Yep. And then the featherweight, the main event, Holloway versus Edgar. Oh, my God. Yeah. Savage card. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm stoked for that one. I mean, you know, I, I, I met Holloway a couple of times, but, you know, he's, he's finally kind of blossoming into this really respectable champion, you know, and I think he's representing the... I think he's representing the state of Hawaii just as well as BJ Penn did when he was uh, conducting his reign. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, it's putting putting the, the state on the map, which is awesome. We have something to be prideful of, for sure. And, uh, yeah, um, just like Poirier, man, uh, I think Edgar's a very respectable uh, veteran. He's a respectable opponent, and I don't think we're going to catch any bad blood going into it it'll just be uh, a display of skill on both sides so i mean just coming out of my mind you know to break it down frankie's got the best footwork in the in the game and he's got one of the best wrestling double leg takedowns in the game oh, yeah. and he can control anybody and i just got 10 years on holloway too 27 37 yeah so he'll so. be he'll be uh, I'd like to see Holloway display his ground game a little bit because a lot of guys can't take him down. He, you know his his uh, his skill set is is 
<laughs> his striking excels all the other levels of his uh, of his arsenal, you know? Yeah, I feel this fight's going to be a ground game for sure. Well, ground I mean, match. I, I'd like to see it. It's going to be exciting no matter what. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it'll be great to see that go five rounds. I mean, I don't want to see it go five rounds. But, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to appreciate just... just Two professional athletes performing at their highest level. I hope they both go in there healthy. I both they. I hope they both weigh in at at, you know, on time and good and and all their health is good and and Saturday is gonna be, a freaking awesome awesome fight. Yeah, no doubt about that. This Saturday, July twenty seventh, UFC two forty, Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar is the main card. That's gonna be exciting, man. Um, I think what we'll do is. We'll continue to do these breakdowns as time goes by. I mean, I'm just glad we, we finally got a chance to sit down and talk and um, try to just, just get content out there, and that's just the most important thing. But we'll probably do about 30 minutes or so, and, and we're, we're just about at that marker. So, um, I mean, we, we wanted to get all this stuff out. We wanted to, to talk about a little bit about that uh, those things that happened. It's just so much that happened in July. I'm glad that we did that. And uh, and that's about it, man. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jonah. This was a great first episode. Very productive. I like all of our talking points as far as the fighters go down, the uh, content goes down. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this episode as well. And we will be putting out this type of content on a weekly basis. So we want to thank you for tuning in. If you like this type of content... Go ahead and subscribe to our channel. Drop us a comment. We would love to hear your feedback on the Ninth Island MMA podcast. And we thank you for joining us. My name is Sheldon. Jonah here. And we are out. We're out. See you.